The Smiths, just for a change, and the track titled I Want the One I Can't Have from the album Meat is Murder. This is David Eastor and this is The C86 Show. Welcome once again to another thrilling ride of life, as I'll be bringing you songs you know, some you don't, and some you should, always playing the finest in indie pop. Each week I like a special guest. This week I spoke to the guitarist with the Gladstones, and also for against, yes, the one and only Stephen Hendricks. So I've got that interview that I'm going to cut up into about three, or four, probably three easy to digest little segments throughout the show alongside the usual award-worthy playlist. But to get the party going, I think we should play your favourite and mine. This 
is The Gladstones and the track titled The Garden.
And that's the Gladstones with a track titled Garden. That came from their 1990 album titled Jeremy. Hello, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show, always bringing you the finest in indie pop. And as you know, every week we like a special guest. And this week I went right out there to find one of the most obscure bands I could possibly do have. But I did, and I'm happy, because I spoke to the guitarist Stephen Hendricks, who also went on to be part of a band titled For Against. Indeed, that's it. But anyway, he was surprised to find somebody from England saying, hello, could you, do you fancy doing an interview? And he said yes, and um, probably was a bit thinking, who is this weird person? Anyway, it was me. I'm not that weird. I'm just obsessed with music. And I heard this thing, um, record a few months ago, and I kept playing it and thinking, I must do a feature on this band because they are so good. And who are they? And why did they only do one album? Anyway, I have the interview and I have the answers to those incredible questions. A bit later on, I'll give you some admin, like our contact details, and also about the archive of the show, the CD6 show. But before we have any more interest and chat from me in this incredible, fascinating link, I think we should have some more music. This again from the, the band, the Gladstones, and this is Top of the World. I wonder if it's going to be a cover of The Carpenters. Wait and see, people.
There you go, more chart band sounds from the Gladstones, and that's a track titled Top of the World, and that came from their album, Jeremy. And uh, I probably said earlier that came, um, that was released in 1990 on a very obscure label. Anyway, this is David Eastall, this is the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, we love your messages. You can via Facebook, Twitter, just go to at C86Show, make it positive and groovy, otherwise don't bother. And also, all the show has been archived on um, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Mixcloud, yes, C86 Show, it's all there and um, stacking up. They are really stacking up. Anyway, this is uh, my interview that I did with Stephen from the band and also from another combo that came out just after the Gladstones uh, called For Against, and that's F-O-R, Against. So there you go, just in case you thought it might be the number. Anyway, that is boring. This is going to be the first part of the interview, and this is when I asked Stephen a little bit about the background to the band and his own musical journey. Because <laughs> let's face it, there isn't a lot out there on the wonderful world that is the information superhighway. Anyway, Stephen, how did it all start? Give us the answer now. Before the Gladstones, um, I was in a band called Playground, which was the same um, guitarist drummer and bass player so me and carl and bruce steven and with a different singer marty clough and we started playing um when i was still in high school um and played a ton of shows um mostly just around lincoln and the midwest we out um we all grew up in lincoln nebraska right which is which is kind of weird You know, this is quite irritating, isn't it? And you know what I'm going to say. The only time we've ever come across Nebraska is, you know, Bruce Springsteen's famous album. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's in the, kind of in the middle of the country. It's Midwestern, um, yeah, kind of smack in the middle of the country. Um, not much else around it. But Lincoln um, was the uh, uh, it's college town. It's where the University of Nebraska is. So it's a little um, kind of haven in the middle of the Midwest. Yes. And actually, had a great music scene in the um well it still does but especially like in the in the uh, 80s and 90s there was a ton of bands and always shows going on and stuff so it was a definitely a fertile um environment for for starting bands fantastic because um because again i haven't done this show for a while and also being a bit obsessed and sort of in my mid-50s now um i was i was kind of like the 80s i suppose was that time when i was listening to a dj called john peel religiously yeah. and buying the NME on a Wednesday and sort of yeah. was was really obsessed with all that indie stuff that sort of started I suppose that post-punk period with you know bands like the uh, the Cure and then Echo and the Bunnymen and then you got this then you got the Smiths from sort of 83 to 87 so obviously that that was you know and everything that was kind of associated with that scene I was kind of wanting to sort of at least give it a hug if not to um stroke so were you also kind of aware of those kind of in- English and Scottish oh, indie totally. bands. Yeah. yeah, we were lucky. Uh, another good thing about Lincoln was it had uh, a few really good uh, record stores and great um, import buyers at the record stores. So, yeah, we were all huge fans of, of you know, early on the punk stuff. And then, um, you know, Joy Division, the post-punk, Gang of Four, PIL, all that stuff. And then really like um, the stuff that really grabbed me when I was starting to play was well, like you said the smiths and echo and dirty column felt all that kind of jangly guitar stuff so yes um, everyone in the band was was huge fans of all that stuff 
Yeah, so de- de- you definitely, because obviously at the time <clears throat> there was that, you know, I sort of looked back and I thought, oh, yes, actually there was the other, the mainstream stuff that was happening, which, you know, like your Dire Straits and Tina Turner and that yeah. Trevor Horn yeah. production sound, which was all rather excitable. And then on on the other, and then from there, you also had the L.A. hair metal kind of stuff that was yeah. happening yeah. as well. So so it was kind of these kind of strange fractions. And obviously those two were quite similar because they were in the chart, you know, the mainstream charts and on top of the pops a lot and then you had that kind of indie stuff with you know all these us angsty people who felt had a huge amount of insecurity and and sort of um, probably low self-esteem as well so we weren't we weren't feeling fabulously sort of with it really at all but luckily we had Morrissey to um, hang on to so um, right (laughs) to guide us guide the way for us This is true. He guided us so well, and it all yes. And now, and now look at him. Anyway, that's another story. But um, so, did it take a while for? Because you said you were sort of in a band before the Gladstones, mm-hmm. um, and so did that. Why did that band finish? Um, basically, the it was because the singer moved away um, to Minneapolis. But yeah, when um, we put out trying to think when marty was in the band we released a tape just locally you know just dubbing off copies by ourselves so we released one tape and just played you know played live a ton and had you know a good following in in lincoln and the midwest um and then he moved away and then so we started courting uh john baker to to fill in the gap and sing for us um and it took a while to track him well not to track him down took a while to convince him and break him down and get him to join the band but once he did we were thrilled because he has a beautiful voice yes and that record album which came out um does have a sort of an amazing sort of pop indie purity around it as well so did you sort of did the sound come together you know obviously you had the sort of nucleus of the same band but did that sort of all kind of marry together quite nicely yeah, definitely. Um, he was a perfect fit for the band. And I remember, you know, the first time um, that he came and practiced with us and the first time I heard him singing on some of our songs, I was just like, ah, this is <laughs> it was just a perfect match. Yeah. Yes. And the one the other thing which <clears throat> obviously I'd be curious about is that in, you know, in the UK, you know, we had as I sort of mentioned earlier, you know, we had quite a strong music. A, you know, the UK is tiny. You can basically fit it in your pocket if you're, you know, comparing it to America. So so mm. things travel quickly and you had the, you know, very concentrated music press of the NME, Melody Maker Sounds and a few others, I don't know, Record Mirror possibly. And then you had John Peel. And so it was quite easy. Those, you know, especially John Peel was this kind of fantastic gatekeeper. You know, anything which was quite interesting, he kind of picked up and played, you know, immediately picked up this audience and suddenly people could have a John Peel session, you know, and then that would lead to sort of more random dates around the country. And, you know, you can drive from one end of the country to another in about, I don't know, 11, 13 hours. And, and, you know, so bands would just kind of get in their little truck and Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, drive, you know, across the country just to sort of have that gig and drive back the next day or through the night. Um, And that sort of, that's how it kind of happened. And that would give bands that ability then to sort of feel like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll do an album now and see what happens next and then possibly another album after that unless they've killed each other so how does it kind of function in america um at least for us it was we were definitely more isolated i was always envious of you know reading enemy and melody maker and seeing all the shows um 
like you said, just everything's a lot smaller, a lot closer together. Um, it seemed like there was a lot more indie labels, or if if not, I mean, there are still indie labels in in the U.S., but in the in the U.K., there was you know indie labels that were more aligned with the kind of music that we were playing. And especially growing up in Nebraska, um, you know, any any major town is eight hours away. Um, so we played we played Lincoln and Omaha quite a bit. We ventured out a little bit, played St. Louis a few times, a couple other towns. But yeah, it was definitely like um, a long haul to you know get to another town and play. So between that and um, you know, not I don't want to say that the um the label scene wasn't wasn't good there like i said there's a ton of indie labels but um you know at that time they were kind of more it was before grunge but you know they just didn't align quite as well to the type of music we played yes because obviously sub pop and then band um sst records exactly were were definitely two labels that we all sort of yes wanted to like or at least appear, yeah. a, appear to like just to make ourselves feel a bit more kind of interesting yeah and we didn't have you know creation and sarah records and rough trade and factory 480 we actually sent a copy of one of our tapes to sarah records and i think they wrote us back and said that we were too america sounding <laughs> <laughs> and that's the first part of my interview with stephen Hendricks from the Gladstones. I've still got a bit more of that interview to go, but I think we should break it up with a little bit more music. This is going to be another track by the band from that famous album, Jeremy, and this is going to be titled Old V. <laughs> Oh, 
Yes, more pop perfection there by the Gladstones, and that's a track that's taken from the album Jeremy, titled Older by I, I do believe. Anyway, this is David Eastall, this is the C86 Show, and this is going to be the second part of my interview with Stephen from the band, and also for from For Against. And this is where I've been talking about the sort of, the time between creating, well, when they first started and when the first album came out. And this was Stephen's answer to that riveting question. Stephen, take it away. That's a good question. Because um, when John joined the band, I, I can't say for sure what year that was, but he joined the band and we played together, you know, for uh, maybe a year or two. And then actually our drummer, Bruce, moved away. Um, we seem to have a problem with people moving away from the band. <laughs> and we tried to find some different drummers and stuff like that, and nothing really worked out. Um, so then... Bruce came back and for us to record that album. Um, he came back. We had kind of a whirlwind uh, practice weekend, and then went in the studio and recorded that album. And I kind of think if if you know something would have happened with the album, if there would have been interest from another label or a major or something like that, um, Bruce probably would have moved back, and we would have kept pursuing the band. But um, you know, we released the album. It got good reviews, but not a ton of press or anything like that. And then after that, things just kind of fizzled out, I guess. Yes, these things do sometimes happen. So you, so that moment, you know, to quote Jim Morrison of the end, did it just kind of, was it just a case that everyone had just kind of had enough? Um, let's see. Actually, after after we recorded the album, we actually recorded one more set of demos uh, just real rough in in our bass player's basement with I I can't even remember what kind of equipment we had, uh, but we recorded maybe five or so more, or so more songs. So there was some interest in in keeping it going, and we did keep uh, writing songs and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to pinpoint or pinpoint the exact moment when things stopped we never broke up or anything like that yeah like i said it just kind of just kind of fizzled out yes and then but your musical world sort of almost kind of got more dynamic through the 90s because then you went on and um joined for against right yeah and so i'd say there was probably a little bit of overlap like when gladstones were starting to lose momentum and Jeff from Four Against approached me about playing guitar on a couple songs, and I started practicing with them a little bit. And then, um, so it was, yeah, it was kind of a smooth transition just from one to the other. And then once I started playing with Four Against, um, then we started recording and uh, released our first album, I think, in 93. Uh, so yeah, that was a shift. But I had been friends with the the people in Four Against um, a long time all through high school and stuff and we all knew each other from the from the scene in lincoln yes because what what sort of a lot of the the uk bands you know they you know like i said that that narrative of sort of john peel the, the john peel session and that first album is often you yeah, know that's quite a nice early chapter then the second chapter is often a bit tricky that you know trying to do this the, the next album the follow-up album is often a bit um, sort of animated at times but also if any bands from the UK tour America which is obviously the place everyone seems to want to go to that seems to completely destroy, destroy them in so many ways <laughs> so um so you you managed to you know not only you know have your early you know that's um the album with the Gladstones but then sort of went into this other band and you did four albums which is quite amazing yeah mm-hmm 
So how did that sort of um, progress? Did it feel like a very different musical outfit to the to the Gladstones? Um, not not super different. Um, in both cases, it was people who I had been friends with before I started the band. Um, so you know, it was people that I had known. Actually, Jeff, the singer for Four Against, I played with a in a band with him when I was in high school. And um, the drummer for Four Against, Paul Englehart, actually played, when Bruce moved away, he played, um, we tried to get him to join the Gladstones, and he played drums with us a few times. So I played with both those guys before, and we were all kindred spirits, um, had the same kind of musical background and everything. So at least for me, it was, uh, yeah, it it wasn't a big shift. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you and the first album, Aperture, which came out in, in um, was it nineteen ninety three? That because was remastered and re- kind of was it reissued last year? Right. Yeah. The um, the the four of the three of the albums that I played on were just reissued by uh, Saint Marie Records. Yes. Yeah. And did that yes. feel? And did that feel quite um, bizarre or interesting to sort of kind of revisit some of the albums and sort of those early those early tracks. Yeah, it was great. Um, the, it's one thing, it's great to have them on vinyl because they were um, only released on CD originally. So it's great to have them on vinyl and they were remastered and sound uh, a lot better, sound a lot more full and um, yeah, just the sound on them is a lot better and having the, uh, you know, packaging for the albums, they're all gatefold and, you know, the nice big sleeves and everything. It's been great. Yes. And did you also do more touring with that band as well? Because obviously you lasted longer, did four albums and probably picked up a bigger fan base. Yeah, we definitely, I would say we had a bigger fan base. We played um, New York a handful of times um, for the, I can't remember if it was a CMJ festival or New Music Festival, but we played that um Played that a couple times, played CBGBs once, but as far as like a national tour, uh, we never did anything like that, um, which probably, you know, was part of the reason that we didn't go further, but we all had day jobs and everything. We couldn't, you know, just pack up and go on the road for weeks at a time, but we did, um, played New York a few times, Omaha, yeah, other than that, we didn't we didn't play much, um, you know, regionally. There you go. The tricky world of touring and keeping a band together. That is the second part of my interview, or third. I should have paid pay attention with Stephen Henricks from the Gladstones and also for against. For against. Um, I think before we have that last part of the interview, we should play some more music. This is going to be a track by the album we just mentioned, Aperture, and this is the opening tune. Do they say tune? I don't know. I can't say track twice in a sentence. Anyway, this is titled Don't Do Me Any Favours.
There you go. That's the track titled Don't Do Me Any Favours, and that came from the album Aperture from the band For Against, featuring the one and only Stephen Hendricks on guitar. Anyway, this is going to be the last part of my interview with Stephen that I did this week, where we were talking about the end of that band as well. I actually, no, I don't think it's completely finished. I'm not sure. But I think he's going to explain it, actually. But I think this is the last album that he was on, and this was... Stephen's answer. Stephen, take it away. Exactly. Yeah, we we recorded that album, um, and because that's because I moved to Virginia in two thousand one, and I think even at the time that we were recording Coalesced, I knew I was going to be moving away because uh, my wife got a job out here at James Madison University after she graduated from the University of Nebraska. So I moved with her and knew that the. Um, yeah, we knew that that was going to be the last album with uh, when I was still with the band. They um, kept going. They got Harry Dingman, the original guitarist, back in the band and a different drummer um, eventually and put out uh, a couple more albums. But yeah, so at the time we were recording and it was released, um, we knew that that was going to be the last one. Yes. And do and um, and as you said, sort of at the beginning of the interview, you haven't played music for a long time. But in having such an intense period, do you do you sort of miss not sort of playing guitar? Um, I'll say I still play guitar a lot. Um, I don't really miss. I don't know. It's hard. I've never like since I moved out here. I've never tried to find people to play with or been interested in joining another band because, like I said, in in Lincoln, it just happened so organically. Um, you know, it was people that I was friends with and had common taste and interests and we were just like, Hey, we should start playing. So it wasn't like, you know, we were answering ads in the paper and, you know, auditioning for bands or anything like that. So it was just kind of a lot more organic. So I've never, you know, since then never met anyone that I've wanted to be in a band with or anything like that. So, and the one thing that, um, I don't know what it's like, um, the other side of the water, but um, the one thing that a lot, a lot of bands and musicians get, you know, trip up on is kind of like the admin and publishing and ownership of music. How did you manage to navigate those kind of worlds? Because obviously, you know, you know, you're in several bands. I just wondered how, if, if, if you still sort of own own the sort of music that you created. Um, that's a good question. Because um, when I joined Four Against, Jeff already had some relationships and publishing rights and stuff like that. Um, but our first, because with, yeah, with four against all the, all the, uh, albums were released on different labels. So it was, you know, each one was a different contract and stuff like that, but we still have the, we still have the rights to everything. And, um, fortunately I'm not as up to speed on all that stuff as I should be, but, uh, still yes. get, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, the the short answer to that is I, I don't know as much as I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think a few people say, you know, as for the whole band, get about £60 a year if they're lucky, and then they have to split it with five members. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one's getting rich and retiring off uh, of <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, at least you sort of kept hold of it, and it, and and the music, especially from For Against, is available. What would you say, you know, to to a young, you know, an 18-year-old self who was kind of starting out in, in the sort of world of music? Because obviously, on one level, it's it's fantastically exciting, and then there's always a few things that you think, God, I wish I'd known that when we started. Hmm. I don't know that I 
would have done much different. Obviously, I'd say the lack of touring um, really hurt us because um, we, you know, never really got out and got in front of that many that many people. So I'd say that was definitely a factor that that kind of limited us. Um, but other than that, I don't know that I would do that much different. And that is going to be the last part of my interview with Stephen. Hendricks from the band The Gladstones and also for Against. There isn't a huge amount of information out there, but I think if you Google away, you might find something about For Against. And also there's quite a lot of their work on Spotify. Um, and that is all very good. You could probably even like them and become their friends, which always makes life a little better in this day and age. Anyway, this is David Eastall, The C86 Show. Um, yes, if you want to contact me, without me sounding too desperate you can via facebook twitter just go to at c86 show and uh, i will be there also i'm on instagram which makes me feel very young and excitable and all the show has been all the shows have been podcasts so you can find them on itunes spotify mixcloud and podbeam i hope i got all those four and didn't just repeat two of them anyway thank you ever so much for listening this has been a pleasure and a big thank you to Stephen for giving me that time i'll leave you with a few more songs one from the gladstones titled hurting in and probably another one from uh for against from the album aperture i'll have to wait and see anyway have a great week
Push it all away 